G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the round 12 review, first of the split round six games instead of the usual nine, as will be the case the next two rounds. But uh, whilst there might have been three fewer games, just as much action because there were some great games, some thrillers and some very significant results in the wash-up. Uh, of course, we are proudly brought to you, as always, by Palmerbet, uh, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this season. Make sure you gamble responsibly. Uh, as I say, a very good evening to Mr Robert Shaw. How are you, Shorey? Very good, mate. And, um, yeah, evening to everybody and uh, looking forward to the week. Um you were going to discuss the ladder, Rowan. And it was funny because we both just uh, watched a sensational game of football. And uh, so what you naturally do is go to the ladder. Well, and, it's... Uh, it, it's it's intriguing down to Carlton at seventh, 32 points, isn't it? Well, it's tightened up significantly. I mean, the, the narrative only a, a few short weeks ago seemed to be how far Melbourne, which, I mean not putting ourselves in there, we, we have said consistently, it only takes one stumble to change everything. Well, Melbourne have had a couple of stumbles, but it's not just Melbourne. Have a look at the ladder now and the difference between the first team on ladder and seventh on the ladder is just two games. So yeah. anything possible. We've got some uh, fresh faces among that upper echelon, as we've talked about. And uh, a great game in Perth, particularly to finish off this round, in which I think, um, you know, uh, an up and coming side, Fremantle, who you've been a big rep for, certainly franked themselves as uh, legit contenders. Brisbane certainly not disgraced in defeat. Uh, the Swans have upended Melbourne. You know, there's a lot to talk about, despite the fact uh, we've got six games. It's a really, really interesting situation. Yeah, and I was so pleased to see, you know, a lot of um, speculation and all that sort of thing. Um, Frio can um, make a big hole, as I've said. Uh, Frio can make a big hole in this final series because, uh, and based on one factor, how they use, if they just leave their team like it is and get a good run, it's a very good team that will probably finish somewhere between uh, third and seventh, right? Now, how are they going to use Fife? This is the key. They can't chuck out Brayshaw and and uh, Will Brody, who surely again must be the recruit of the year to go from um, to be given to Fremantle. We're not going to go over the technicalities again, but basically to be given to Fremantle and uh, with a check to pay his wages. So um, I'm I'm loving uh, Fremantle as a real shot at this year's premiership. Yeah, look, I've, I've certainly, they've certainly won me over the last couple of weeks. Uh, as you know, and as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, I'm a big fan of the Sydney Swans, love watching them play, and I think they're pretty legit. Uh, 
contenders too. And then, of course, you got yep. the likes of Carlton uh, and the surprise packet that is Collingwood inside the eight. So, uh, look, there's some great stories going about as we move into the second half of the season. Six games to wrap up in detail. Let's get into it. On Footyology, wrap around. Round 12 kicked off on Friday evening with a big clash between the Western Bulldogs and Geelong at Marvel Stadium. Great game too, eventually won by the Cats by 13 points. The final scores, Geelong 12-11-83, defeating the Bulldogs 10-10-70. The goal kickers, match winner for the Cats and uh, having a great uh, spell in front of the big sticks. Jeremy Cameron, six goals, two to Tom Hawkins, singles the rest. And for the Doggies, two to Liberatore, two to Waitman, singles the rest. Well, it looked like a, a no contest this game in the first quarter because the Cats, they came out red hot, seven goals to one at quarter time. All over, she wrote, you thought, but Credit to the dogs. They worked their way back into this contest. Three goals to one in the second quarter. Another two goals in the third term while holding the Cats goalless. And then worked their way to within just five points when Jeremy Cameron, having done the damage early, came back for seconds. He kicked three crucial last quarter goals. In fact, three of the Cats' four last quarter goals. The Bulldogs for themselves in the last quarter. Great last quarter, but the Cats, that opening burst in the end, proving decisive, 13-point winners. And, um, well, ramifications. Uh, the Doggies have now lost Bailey Smith. Two-week suspension for him after a uh, of a brain snap there and a headbutt on the Cats' Zach Tui. Uh, good win for the Cats. Rob, how did you see this one? Oh, look... Um... Like, it's just a bit harsh that you reckon that uh, I reckon that the uh, scoreboard's a bit flattering. This was one sided, Rowan, and um, 7 2 to 1 5, as you said. Um, uh, there's some things, subtle differences in the cats. Now, I don't know whether they've, they've addressed this with the finals in, in, in sight. I believe they have. But you talked about Jeremy Cameron. He spent some time in the centre bounce. You know, he went into the centre bounce. They moved Rowan. You know, I know they lost Collardashny and and the the critical Stewart at times. That that sort of threw them out a bit. But they were quite happy to move O'Connor and Gary Rowan back to the back line. I just think the Cats are working on flexibility and moves. That if 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 the shit hits the fan in the finals, they've got some things up their sleeve that they've practiced. No, I, I agree, and we've seen them certainly. Uh, deploy a, a wider variety of game styles this year, haven't we? I mean, we've, at times they've used that methodical, slower game, possession football, but we've seen them move the ball quickly too. And um, I think they did a bit of both in, in this game. Certainly, um, you know, they're ball, when, when they do decide to play a fast-tempo game, uh, they're as damaging and, and potent up forward as any side, really. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't know why they don't do that more often, to be perfectly honest. Well, I think you answered your own question. They want to have two or three styles. And and actually, Hawkins got two, uh, Cameron got two, and our boy uh, Stengel missed out this week. So mm. they were still able to have a, a very potent forward line. But I want to take your attention up to the other end of the ground, and I want to give you four names. And then I want you – we're playing a little – 
game here, Rowan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm going to give you four names, and then I want you to add the fifth for me. Roy West, Gary Malarkey, Ben Graham, Matt Scarlett. Uh, Tom Stewart. No. Oh, but okay. I'll, give you, I'll give you a pass. Young DeConnie at fullback. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, 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 I got, yeah. yeah, you're talking key position defenders. Yeah, I, fullback. I got, yeah, I got I've, four. I've gone back to 1962, Roy West. So yeah, I might, no. might as well. Um, yeah, no, look, it looks it's good, digressing it? slightly, but it, it is about good. the game. There's four standouts to me. Newcomb, DeConning, Dacos and Martin. For uh, rising star, we're talking. Yeah, we're, we're, we're rising star. And it's it's not a glamorous position, fullback. But he has been superb. And he held Norton to one goal. Yeah. So with Cameron kicking six up, that's significant. And um, I've got him. I've got him nudging Newcomb out at the moment. But I know we're supposed to be talking about the game, but it is relevant that Geelong have found a two hundred centimetre, one hundred and four kilogram fullback, Rowan. No, he was, he was really important. Gee, uh, Paddy Dangerfield's an enormous rap for him. He tweeted uh, very glowingly. I think his tweet said something like it's. It's De Conning's world. We're just living in it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and and yeah, look, probably the most critical uh, duel of the match, really, in some ways. De Conning on, um, and as De Conning, his parents have, have cleared that up. We used to call his dad De Conning, Terry, of course, playing yeah. for Footscray, but yeah. uh, De Conning is a pronunciation. But um, did I say it right, De Conning? Yeah, I yeah, did. yeah. No, it is De Conning. Um, just on that, Ron. Just jump in. Um, where would you play Alex Keith? For example, where would you play him? Yes, where's Alex um, Keith's best position? I think ideally maybe centre half back because I think he zones off and creates oh, really right. well. Okay, yeah, I was hoping to cause an argument there. He actually did play. He, he, I don't see him as a roving, a backline player. The early matchup was on Cameron with Gardner going to Hawkins. Mm. I would have preferred it the other way around. Maybe Gardner, well, maybe no one's got the ability to go with Cameron when he's in this sort of form. So well, they went with Keith. Well, I think it's it, it remains an issue for the doggies, though, doesn't it? The key key uh, or lack there of key position defensive height because they just seem one short. I reckon in in that uh, in that category. Been a tail of the tape for some time, though, hasn't it? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Roughhead went to Collingwood. He was a premiership fullback. I don't know. I, I don't know the story there, but he he uh, played in a premiership and and ended up at Collingwood. They get scored against quite easily. This backline individually, uh, quite a talented backline. Uh, Bailey Dale, uh, Young Daniel, but they get scored against and seven two in the first quarter, and Cameron six. That, that's all the analysis you need. Well, you know what? I, it, it just struck me then as you were talking about it. I, re, I reckon the difference between these two sides this year is that one of them has found some alternatives. Like we talked about the Cats. They've got a, di- a couple of different styles now. They've also, really importantly, got some younger guys bobbing up and playing good footy. Parfit was really good in this game. Atkins was really good. Zach Guthrie's starting to really improve for them. So they're finding stuff. What's the contrast with the Bulldogs? That we're still waiting for the likes of Eugle Hagen to come in and make a difference. I don't. I look at the dogs and there's a sort of sameishness about them compared to last year. Who are their new players? You know, what, what are the what are the improvements they've made to 
last year. I'm not sure they have. They're still going with the same formula. It's a great point. And and while you were the master of having to uh, write your copy at the end of a game and put in the best players, we know they don't mean much, but the days of Dangerfield, Selwood, Menangola, um, Duncan appear to be over. There are new kids on the block. So if you add all that up, um, uh, that's Geelong's improvement. Uh, just quickly on the Bulldog, are we are we dismissing them or are we are we saying um, thirteen points was a bit of a mirage, really, in 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 the state of play that we saw? Oh, look, I think they're I, I reckon they're thereabouts. I mean, they need to improve, I think, too. But but I've okay. said this a number of times this year. They're a great momentum team, and I reckon when they do hit form, they can improve very quickly. So look, I mean, they're they're now a game outside the eight. But uh, certainly every chance of forcing their way back in. Good win for the Cats on that score too. Actually puts them in the top eight. Although, of course, St Kilda, who are below them, have a game up their sleeve with the uh, the bye rounds. What's happening next week for both those teams in round 13? Well, uh, the Cats and the Dogs both have a bye. So uh, <laughs> Thanks, Rowan. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> just giving the details. Um <laughs> Both uh, a good a chance for both to freshen up. Um, good timing for the Cats too with uh, Tom Stewart's concussion means that he won't be forced to miss a game despite having to serve that, uh, what is it, 12-day concussion protocol. And the doggies get a week to lick their wounds and uh, it's quite appropriate, lick their wounds when you're the Bulldogs, isn't it? And come back for another crack in round 14. Good Friday night game of football. Uh, let's talk about Saturday. Okay, first game on Saturday. I'm already sounding less than enthused, which is a bit unfair because some games are better than others and this wasn't one of the greats. However, uh, important win nonetheless for Adelaide who snapped a five-game losing streak to beat the hapless West Coast, although even hapless, a bit unfair because in terms of um, their recent form, this was a more competitive performance at least for West Coast, who ended up losing by 31 points. I'm tempted to say just because compared to some of the other margins they've been losing by, that's not bad. Final scores, Adelaide 13-10-88, defeating West Coast 8-9-57. This game... Oh, this win pretty much set up in the first quarter. Adelaide 5-2 in that first term to the Eagles, a solitary point. From there on, uh, pretty even going. Uh, the Eagles, eight goals in the last three quarters. Ditto the Crows, eight goals in the last three quarters. The goal kickers for Adelaide, three to Fogarty, three to McAdam, three to Walker, two to Saligo and the Eagles, two to Darling and singles the rest. Um, Eagles up against it all year. Costly late withdrawal of Jerry Mc, uh, Jerry, Jeremy McGovern. He was replaced by Luke Foley. But uh, look, the margin um, means the Eagles avoided the ignominy of what would have been a record eight successive 50 points plus defeats. Um, so that's something, but it's precious little to take away from this. Uh, they are uh, travelling very poorly indeed. And this is now pretty much officially 
their worst season in their, uh, what is it, 35 season history in league company. How would you see this one? Bit of everything, Rowan. It was a domination of inside 50 at three uh, three quarter time with 53 to 25. Um, I reckon if you go over the numbers this year, and uh, it might be a, a job for Wednesday mornings for us uh, in our preview or re, uh, in our uh, in our review preview. Yeah, preview. Um, sure about that. Got, I've got. I reckon they've got the lowest average inside 50s without any research done. You know, they were they were getting 36s and 40s, even at their home ground. Um, so they've got a real issue there. Um, I want to talk about Taylor Walker and the discussion that's going on with Adelaide, with North Melbourne and with Essendon, uh, with young lists. And there's already this talk of Essendon need a Luke Hodge or North Melbourne need a Luke Hodge or... And, and Taylor Walker's name's been banding around. On the weekend, he had 10 score involvements. He kicked three goals. And I would assume that Adelaide's an emerging team, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have him there for guidance, counsel, organisation? Fogarty's a young emerging player. Still thought we've spoken about um, Gallant's gone out. Himmelberg's gone out. He's got a significant... If you're talking about him going to Essendon and playing alongside Harry Jones, well, fuck me, stay at Adelaide and bring these young players through, Rowan. I find it extraordinary, given his form, that he's being, you know, the jungle drums are beating. Yeah, although, yeah, no, I, I think that's a very valid argument. I guess the other side of the coin is, have they got so many key forwards that oh, yeah. um, he could be a bit superfluous to need? I guess well, too. Yeah, I'll tell you yeah. what. I'll just I'll throw in this one. Um, does what happened with him last year? Does that sort of does that sort of throw a cloud over his capacity to be? Uh, a, yes, that'll stay for a, a while, mentor. and, and uh, it will. And uh, because you know you've been in the industry, um, let's say he signs with um, uh, South South. Bunbury, right? Who are fifteenth on the ladder at the moment? In the, I'm just, I don't want to use a club's name. What's going to be the headlines? And then we're going to get the Twitter um, outrage and the membership letters, aren't we? We are, well, we are recruiting a. I'm not going to say the word. Why are we recruiting a that's been found guilty of? Um, well, if you're racial comments, well, yeah. you 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 mentioned Essendon. Essendon in recent times has lost Irving Mosquito and Anthony McDonald Tip and Woody, both under a bit of a cloud. Yeah, Essendon's record in that space isn't great of late. Do they really want to? You know, uh, anyway. You know, getting... I, look, you're on the right track. I just raised that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, we're getting away from the game a bit here. Oh no, I think we've covered the game. Okay, I really like uh, that. Uh, uh, under the radar, they've got a they've got an under the radar play. He's kicked another three, McAdam. Mm. Yeah, and really I like him. Very nice player. I like uh, him. Smart player, round goals, and um, I thought this was a really solid performance based on the fact that they're experienced players. Um, do you rate Keys as an experienced player at the moment? Not oh, in yeah. the lead and not in the lead and Walker frame. Lead was best on the ground. Keys just a model of consistency. And I think Adelaide were just too strong in the contest. But as you said, with Walker 3 and Fogarty 3, the loss of McGovern before the game is absolutely significant.
Keith has been one of the, the most outstanding pickups from another club in, in recent history. I mean, he's just, you know, he's a fringe player at Brisbane to uh, acting captain of the Crows. Sensational. Mm. He had 29 disposals, 16 of them contested possessions. And Rory, where amazing capacity to find the footy, 33 disposals, 17 of them were contested, eight clearances, nine score involvements, nine tackles. Just a word on the Eagles, because their effort was better. Um, Gaff, 30 disposals for them. Uh, Luke Shuey, Tim Kelly worked pretty hard. Uh, interestingly, that's that same trio that came back into the side and the moment their performances started going south, well, they finally um, found a bit of form, those guys. A bit late, though. Uh, but definitely in terms of effort, this was a, a better uh, performance from them. So it'll be interesting to see whether it, they managed to uh, gain from that at all and whether they can crack a, a second win at some stage. They do play Essendon in a couple of weeks, so there's uh, some hope for them on that score. And, and look, I'm not even I'm not even yeah. being unnecessarily cruel there. At the moment, you'd say that does give them some sort of chance of a right. win. Let's have a look and, at what's And both uh, got the bye next week, of course. Everyone that played this week have got next week's bye, haven't they? Is that right? Oh, I don't know. Don't ask me stuff I don't know, Rob. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you're right. Well, well you're at, right about that. West Coast and Adelaide have both got the bye. Hang on. Look well at the check. mega wall. Look at the fixture mega yeah. wall on your left, <laughs> over your left shoulder there. Yeah, on my 27 monitors. Uh, yeah, yeah right I think on. you're right. Yeah, everyone who played right um, this week has the bye next week. So good spot. We watch the games, folks. We think we know what we're talking about. We've got no, no idea who's playing who, where and why. Don't say that. <laughs> well, we have to we have to have a break while we while you otherwise I just got to stop these questions without notice, Ron. Yeah, I thought that I, I would prefer it if you could. Yeah, um, I thought you're just the ultimate professional yeah, with all these stats on, you know. All right, okay, okay. I can't do everything. All right, well, no, who's uh, next? Who's okay, next? Okay, that is the first game on the Saturday card. There were three games. Let's talk about the one in the middle. Well, Gold Coast on a roll and continued that roll with a very convincing win over, uh, well, another hapless team, North Melbourne, sad to say. Uh, second game in two weeks up in Darwin for the Suns and second pretty emphatic victory by more than 60 points, uh, 62. As a matter of fact, the final scores, Gold Coast 15-19-109, defeating North Melbourne 7 547. Um, got uh, got the early running four goals to one at quarter time, but most of the damage in this game, Rob, done in the second quarter. One of the most dominant half hours or so of footy I think I've ever seen. To wit, the scoreboard in that second quarter, seven goals, seven to zero, zero. This is what I can't get over though. How many inside 50s do you reckon Gold Coast had in the second quarter? I'm tipping they had one a minute. At 28. There you go. So they ended up with 81 for the game, which I think is an equal record, but 28 for a quarter. If they'd have stayed on that pace, it would have been 112 <laughs> inside 50s. It was unbelievable. The ball just lived in the forward half of the ground in that second quarter, and uh, North just unable to do anything about it, really. They did rally a bit in the third term, three goals each, but uh, goalless again 
In fact, North didn't score to one end of the ground, just two behinds in the last quarter, while the Suns added another four goal kickers. Two today, two to Rankin singles. The rest for the Suns, uh, really good spread of goal kickers. 13 individual goal kickers, no less, and all individual goal kickers for the Roos. One sour note for the Suns, unfortunately, uh, what appears to be a season-ending uh, injury for Lockie Weller has been uh, terrific for them. So that's sad. Um, ben Mackay, concussion for North Melbourne. That's a bit of a concern. He's had a few of them now. But, uh, gee, they're looking confident. They look, uh, well, we know they're resilient. They didn't need to be resilient in this game, the Suns. But uh, looking increasingly confident and assured about their footy. And uh, Took Miller in his 150th game. Um, as good as anyone on the ground. He ended up with 32 disposals, 13 clearances, which was a career high, seven, four, seven metres gained. That's a plane. Um, 747 metres gained. And, uh, gee, they're dangerous and exciting up forward these days too, aren't they? With, uh, well, Casbolt not a factor in this one, but you've got um, Chol Casbolt to choose from. Day came in in this one. And then the little... Ground-level Terriers, Rankin, he was terrific and uh, he's been in great form the last few games. And then the relative newcomers, Roses and Jeffrey, are exciting as well. So four wins from five. Now for the Suns, Matt Rowe, pretty good again. Connor Butterick, uh, pretty good again. Um, he's How'd my boy go? Number yeah, 10. Who's your boy? 10. Number 10. Oh, God. This is the Suns, Robert. I don't know all the numbers off by heart. Ballard, uh, Ballard. You know, he yeah. was good. No, I like Ballard. He's a good player. We, we Blackbook we specialed him last week. We're probably six months late, but at least we have a go. And um, uh, Collins, yeah. a warrior too. Uh, North, well, what do we say? I don't know. What do we say about I'll North? I'll say it. Okay, you say it. Um, when there was dry conditions on the, on the ground and the ball was dry and there was a bit of pace on the ground, uh, then they're an exciting mobile side uh, Gold Coast, but they're not super quick. You know, they've got the workers inside, Swallow and Rao. So when when it was on North's terms, you know, they kicked those four goals. They snuck out to 17 points. Um, after that, when a little bit of, uh, as we said in our preview, the dew came down, it got a bit heavy, it became a contested ball game, and a little bit of uh, the rain came over the right side of the TV screen. In fact, um, sorry, this... can I can I just stop you there? Sorry, because I just realised I did something really stupid. I talked about Gold Coast setting it up early. That was because I read the scores the wrong way. Of course, North Melbourne yeah. One did up, have yeah. a decent first quarter, and it was they, in fact, who had the edge. So apologies, Roo fans. You're probably choking as you heard me say that. <laughs> so you're not even going to give us credit for... One decent quarter. Their first quarter was pretty decent. So apologies, Rob. Go That's on. what I said. But um, um, I, I've never seen. So okay, they prefer the quick, the mobile game. But once again, inconsistent. Not inconsistency. An inability to adapt and an inability to play uh, competitive, contested ball. Um, I've never seen stats like that, Rowan. I had a 29 inside 50s, but I'll give you 28, which is, in fact, an inside 50 every minute of the game, resulting, I've never seen 80. So I can understand why North supporters, this great football club, they're not, they're not seeing the core values of the North Melbourne Football Club culture being displayed. They won't mind losing. They won't mind developing. But... Um, 
the inability to defend the ground and play a contested game and make life difficult for opposition. And I'll give you the most damning stat I can find about this current, I'm not saying the team, this current setup, and that includes the coach. Do you really want to play? Do you really want to compete? Well, okay, don't give us stats like this. Tackles inside 50. Gold Coast, 22. North Melbourne, 1. Wow, you're really? Not play, you're not playing for your coach or he can't get you to play or you're not interested. 22 inside 50 tackles to 1. So in 100 minutes of footy, North Melbourne could emotionally, um, intent-wise, come up with one forward 50. And as we know, that is the game these days. That was what the bread and butter of Richmond was. That was the bread and butter of Melbourne. So any good side, that was the, that's what won the dogs that premiership. Inside okay, so... 50 tackling, and, and that's an indictment on whatever system this once proud, uh, this proud football club um, measured themselves on. Do you look at a stat like that and look at the, say, the inside 50 stat for that second quarter? It could have been 29. You're right. I might have jotted it down before they went over it and corrected it. But is that the players not respecting the coaching they're being given? Well, your, your centre square is is Davis Uniaki. Um, who else was in there? Uh, Thomas. Uh, there's one other one. Other Horn Francis. Other. Yes, Horn Francis. Now, if you're getting your, your pants pulled down, you never, like, don't penalise these kids. Was it half-time or three-quarter time? I looked on the bench and there's Thomas and Horn Francis. But we keep hearing rebuild. We're a teaching club. We're about education. Okay, don't educate them on the bench, right? Put them out in the game. Use Horn Francis on a half-back flank. Put Thomas to a wing. But don't waste their time and start your, your, your emerging stars on an interchange bench. It, it just doesn't make sense. And, um, you know, that you would have thought that um, there would, a year ago, these two sides were around the mark with each other, weren't they? And look at, look at, look at um, Gold Coast have gone past them. 300 mile an hour. They're in a they're in a different league. They're playing in a different competition. All right. Well, I'm sorry about that, North supporters. I love your club. I love what they stood for. I love their culture and their history. And I, you know, I think it's what have they lost ten in a row? First time since 1972 under Brian Dixon. Yeah. So uh, that, that's not the North folks. I'm not. I'm not potting anyone. I'm just really disappointed for this 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 proud community called North Melbourne. No, you're right. They do seem to be going backwards. Uh, next week, by the way, that that isn't right because North Melbourne, uh, not everyone has a buy because North Melbourne are playing. Um, they'll probably be hoping they did have the buy, actually, if you're a North supporter at the moment. They play GWS next Sunday afternoon at Marvel Stadium at 3.20 uh, Gold Coast. In contrast, they do have the buy, but uh, things sailing along nicely for the Suns, and they have very, very realistic aspirations of a spot in the finals. Okay, so that was Saturday afternoon, Saturday twilight. Let's talk about Saturday evening. 
Well, wasn't this a classic battle of the capital cities, Melbourne taking on Sydney and it was the Harbour City that came up Trump's Melbourne uh, after having won 17 consecutive games, have now lost two in a row, a 12-point win to the Swans, 10-13-73, defeating Melbourne, 9-7-61. And for the second week in a row, the Demons coughing up a decent lead. They led by 26 points one minute into the second quarter. Uh, a 38-point turnaround from that moment on. The Swans kicking nine goals to three and four goals to one in the last quarter. But even then, Melbourne had a decent edge. Max Gorn kicked the first goal that last quarter to give Melbourne a 13-point lead. Uh, but the Swans, they never stop having a crack and they kept going right till the end in this game. A bomb from Errol Goulden giving him a lead, and then Tom Papley's snap sealing the win. Even without Buddy Franklin, they had good avenues to go with Sam Reid, who played a terrific game for the Swans. Logan McDonald, three goals each. Uh, Callum Mills, terrific in the middle, as he is so often these days, 26 disposals for him. Um, and, uh, well, the Swans, terrific Defensive game by them, uh, 27 to 16 tackles in the second quarter. Uh, probably only their wastefulness early on, which gave Melbourne the sort of lead that it had. Uh, this is a great win, though, by the Swans. And I've got to say, Rob, and I did tweet this, and I, I, I know I'm on their bandwagon a bit, but I have been for a year and a half now. I just love watching those guys play. I love that group of young players they've assembled, you know, Rowbottom, McInerney, uh, Golden, Wicks, Warner, um, probably uh, McDonald. You know, look, these guys are going to play together as a group for a good 10 years. And how exciting is that going to be? Mills has just become one of the, the best midfielders in the competition. Parker, fantastic official mantle now as, as a leader. And he's fantastic for him. Heaney, uh, quieter in this game, but still having an impact when he had to. And they can be tough. They can be dashing, exciting. Um, they're a lot more potent in scoreboard terms. They defend well. The McCartan brothers, how good have they been for them? It's just, I, you know what? I, I know we seem to drag everything back to Essendon, but there's a touch of the baby bombers of 93 about those swans, Rob, and I just love watching them play. Um, well, there is, and they've got they've got genuine talent. Uh, they're still, they're not a work in progress, but um, they've got significant improvement in them. Like, um, and and that goal was sensational by um, by Goulden. You know, it just reminds you of you know, uh, oh Errol, I would do anything just to be like you. Errol, Australian crawl. Yeah, well done. <laughs> okay. There's many that would like that left foot kick yeah. and to be just like Errol. I tell you, I'm going to isolate this game around one person, and you can have your Petrarchas, and you can have your Olivers and your Max Gorns. I'll, I'll take Stephen May every day of the week because this is what happens. Right, people are saying, go on or May. Okay, Max, you're sensational. I'll take your full back every day of the week because this is what happens. Let's start with Lever, right? He took two marks. He took no contested marks and he only had four intercept possessions. He had nine, only nine pressure acts and he only gained 79 metres. Who was that player you said in the game before? 
was it Took Miller? Nearly ran a kilometre. Seven, seven four seven. Jake Lever coming off the back line ran 79 metres. Now I'll give you another example. Jaden Hunt. I love him. From the boy from Brighton Grammar. Jaden got isolated at the top of 50 by Tom Papley, didn't he? How many times? And which is a hard matchup. But Jaden is a halfback flanker. He sets up the running, and Longmire was able to bring him back inside 50 with no one behind him. Who's usually behind there sweeping? Stephen May. Jaden Hunt, six pressure acts, nine metres gained. Mm. And I know it was close, and I know they were up, and I know there was a dominant, but it's just an extraordinary influence on how Stephen May influences this team. So what are you talking also, about? What are you talking about is a domino effect when he's yes, out. Yes, he, he doesn't – these are good players, Hunt and these blokes. And don't forget that Petty was injured and was hobbling and all that again. And I read it – I think I read it on AFL.com. May and Gorn, one of them go down, and I think the writer said it's a whole new ball game. Mm. Welcome to a whole new ball game, folks. Well, it underlines, doesn't it? I mean, we, you know, we've talked a lot about Melbourne's depth and I, I would argue their depth is as good as anyone's. But even the sides with the best depth get tested when you lose key players. It just underlines the, you know, the critical importance of having your best But I'm isolating it to one player, yeah, not yeah. a group. You yeah. haven't got an injury list like Carlton. You've lost one player and yeah. the domino effect he has on three or four teammates. Yeah. Oh, no, but I, I think it's a very sound argument. I mean, because you look at, say, Max Gorn. Max Gorn goes over. You have still got a Luke Jackson playing a similar role. Plus, we see other sides with dominant Ruckman that don't necessarily yeah. get the value out of that Ruckman, although pretty hard to argue that with Max Gorn. He, he does provide them with great service all over the park, doesn't he? I mean, gee, he wins a lot of, of footy. I don't know when yeah. he started winning heaps of possessions, but oh, he's just 28. A, yeah, he's a and dominant nine force. Nine and three goals. Extraordinary player. So uh, I mean, there'll be inevitable questions now about Melbourne. You know, do they have issues? Have they? It's interesting, no. Pete. The narrative seems to be in the light of those two losses. Oh, gee, they looked invincible and now they've lost two in a row. I wouldn't argue that they've looked invincible. I, I would say that they've only played at their absolute best once or twice this season. So in that regard it's not that shocking that they've lost a couple of games but i hope we don't see an overreaction to this either because it's a long season you're not going to win 22 games it just doesn't happen even less now and um it might be the shake up they need i'll tell you one analogy that i, I thought of or someone else actually mentioned it but it it, it could be right you know, carlton in 1995 you know we're undefeated until I think rounds eight and nine. They got absolutely belted two weeks in a row by the Swans and then St Kilda and then came out and didn't lose another game for the rest yeah, of the year. So, oh, that's um, it. yeah, I'm not do, writing do you them see, off. Do you see... No, nah, well, no one's no. writing them off. Do no. you see anything to give Melbourne cause a concern? No, I don't, but uh, it just shows you the importance of key players. Uh, I, I can't stress it enough. Um, I, I rate him highly. Uh, the evidence is there. The figures are there. Their back line um, was uh, exposed by some good coaching and some good placement of players. And you've got to look up the other end of the ground. Like, do you think the Brown Brothers are as good drop of wine? <laughs> Have you been to that winery? Oh, well, no, but I've, I've had Brown Brothers wine. 
Yeah, um, it was a little bit off on the weekend, the Brown Brothers, because they got a nice old touch-up by the McCartan Brothers, yes. Rowan. Yes, yes. Who were, who were Working ten... beautifully, Rob. Who's writing your stuff? Right, well, Paddy had six marks. I think Tom had five, so they got 11 marks between them. Mitch had four possessions for 0, 0.0, and Ben is out of form, and he had two marks for one point. So uh, either end of the ground, so it just shows you, that's why I'm not that worried. It just shows you, you know, how they controlled the middle part of the ground, but uh, they've got issues at either end of the ground, Melbourne. Before anyone chips into, yes, we are aware that Mitch and Ben Brown aren't actually brothers. Uh, quick word on Sydney. Oh, no, we, yeah, but yeah. quick word on Sydney too. How far can they go? Do you reckon? Oh, I think we had them top four. Uh, they've had the odd hiccup, but that's the season. If they keep taking, if if those young gentlemen that you highlighted, Rowan, about six or eight of them, um, find another five percent each and continue this development. They did this without Lance Franklin, and I'm just so happy for Paddy McCartan that he's slotted in there beautifully, reading the play. Oh, look, preliminary final, preliminary finalists for me, I would think, because we had them, uh, I think we both had them four on the ladder. So it'll be Melbourne, who else? Uh, Brisbane, uh, third. Who will come third? That's open, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I I mean... Fourth are open, I think. I think Melbourne will be fine. I'm not saying they will, but I think they can win the premiership. I think, wow. you know, oh, well, I think if you finish yeah. top, top four, you can't yeah. you can't say someone's going to capable of finishing top four and then not be able to win a premiership because you finish top four. The fact is, you're two wins away from a grand final. And what uh, eighteen months ago, seventeenth or something was uh, it? I think that was sixteenth in, in twenty twenty. Well, yeah. some of us were onto their improvement early, Rob. You know that. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Great win for the Swans uh, next week. These two. Uh, let's just check in quickly on that. Uh, in fact, Melbourne. They have a massive game. The Queen's birthday Monday. Big freeze. The annual big freeze clash against the Pies, and it's back. And it's uh, proper home of the MCG. That should be an, an outstanding game. Mm. That is Queen's birthday Monday, three twenty p.m. Sydney does have a buy, but certainly headed into the buy in good shape. All right, uh, two games to be played on the Sunday. Let's talk about them. 2.10 Sunday afternoon, MCG, the venue for a uh, traditional Victorian clash, if you like, between Hawthorne and Collingwood. Played in uh, difficult, wet conditions, but wow, wasn't this an epic, fantastic uh, titanic struggle in this last quarter with the Pies for a second week in a row re- prevailing by under a kick. Four-point winners over the Hawks. The final scores, Collingwood, 11-9-72, defeating Hawthorne, 10-8-68. The goal kickers for the victors, two to Ginevan, two to Henry, including what proved to be the match winner, Singles the rest, and for the Hawks, four to Mitch Lewis. Geez, a lovely kick at goal, Mitch Lewis. Singles the rest. Uh, great game of footy, this. The Pies certainly got the jump early, five goals to two at quarter time, but then the Hawks managed to work their way back into this contest. Uh, third quarter was when they really closed the gap, four goals in that third term to just one. Collingwood leading by five points at the final change. 
Um, Hawks, though, kicking the first two goals of that last quarter, gave them a uh, lead of, uh, what was it, seven points. Dugowie, a few points fired then by the Hawks. Uh, Dugowie narrowed that gap to four points. Ollie Henry, with about seven minutes left on the clock, had a relatively easy shot at goal, missed, but was able to butter up, took a great mark and convert this time to give the Pies the lead with about five minutes left and then desperate last few minutes. It was so tense and it was great work weather footy, desperation by both sides. The final decisive act of this game, Luke Bruce uh, looking to work into a bit of space and have a kick at goal. He was tackled, bailed up by uh, Bo McCreary, who won a holding the ball free kick with about 16 seconds left and was able to see it out for the Pies, who won a desperately close finish for a second week in a row. Probably had uh, the better of the key stats. Certainly had more inside 50s of Pies, 40 to 65. Yeah, that was significant, yeah. But just yeah. A, a great game, this, and I think a credit to both these sides who have had their both had their ups and downs this season, but I think you can say about both of them, their best uh, is pretty good. And both, I think it's fair to say, also exceeding a level most people thought they were capable of this year, Rob. Yeah, well, the Hawks, um, we we predicted that there would be a uh, a bounce back from um, last week. And, and you're right. It, the Pies winning two games against a couple of their real rivals in Carlton Collingwood by four points each game... Um, People will look at glass half empty and say, oh, they fell over the line or they're lucky. I know both Carlton and Hawthorne were coming at them hard, but to have those type of wins, they're resilient wins. They're, they're, and not only do they bank eight points, but they bank the confidence and the capacity to maybe last out in close games. And they're, they're not a... They've got some experienced players. have got experienced players filtered through the side. But basically, it's a very young side. Um, it, it, you know, it was a it was a comfortable performance by Hawthorne, seven uh, nine to four four at half time. But after that, the Hawks kicked six four to three three, um, oh, and, and they started because of the weather. I thought they over Collingwood's pressure was good. Hawthorne overused, they overhandled. All of a sudden, they started to go back to the basics, very much like Essen in those wet conditions that we talked about the other week. It sort of forced them into a very direct and very quick game of kicking the ball in, and they got results. They actually got in front of this game, um, and you're quite right, until young Henry stood up. He's, he's, uh, he's in their best 18 now quite comfortably, Rowan, isn't he? After coming in, I think, didn't he come in off the... Uh, no, he wasn't medical sub. He was a late change. And he kicked well, that four goals, didn't he? Over yeah, well, he's, uh, Fremantle? He's yeah. now kicked uh, nine in the last three games. Four, three, and two. Well, that'll do, mate. But that'll see, do, mate. you're looking at Collingwood's improvement or unexpected to me, because, yes, again, I tipped him for the wooden spoon. How stupid do I look? No. But when you're looking at reasons for the improvement, he's one. Ginevan, he's been important for them. Two goals again today. They're two leading disposal winners today. Nick Dacos, 36. It's a fantastic debut season he's having. Yep. Lipinski, private Lipinski from the Western Bulldogs, 29 
disposals. I'm not going to let that go, by the way, Private Lipinski. It's funny <coughs> and my joke, and uh, we like it. Darcy Cameron, he's gone up another level for them. You know, he, yeah, well, hang on, can just hold there, Rowan. Yeah. Um, what's going on with these ruckmen? Like Max what, Gordon, winning a lot of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it used to be seven possessions yeah. and and. 18 marks from Gary Dempsey and 47 hit outs. <laughs> That's true. Now, now it's now it's 26 possession. They're getting more possessions than they're getting marks. And I reckon that is uh, more than, and than hit outs. Obviously more than marks. So his game was 26 possessions, 18 hit outs, one goal one. Yeah. It's, uh, he's a very much improved player because he was not hit or miss. He was in and out, wasn't he? They yeah. couldn't make up their mind under Bucks what he was. Very much an emerging player. Well, you have to be able to win enough of the ball to justify your spot, don't you? I think the, the days of sort of dinosaur ruckman with single-digit disposal numbers are over. If you can't win your ball around the ground as well as when the hit-outs, you're not really good enough, are you? Um, so, but look, I mean, there's the improvement in a nutshell, isn't it? It's Lipinski added to the mix. It's Nick Dacos added to the mix. It's the improvement of Cameron. It's Henry and Ginnivan's improvement. You know, they, they've got pluses all over the park, the pies. And this is what you want when you're developing as a side. Ditto the Hawks, though. I mean, in their case, it's yep. not necessarily newcomers. It's continued improvement. John Newcomb, I love that kid. You know, he's a tackling machine. He wins plenty of the footy. Mitch Lewis, beautiful kick of the footy. Uh, Bramble, who was good for him last year, he's good again today. So they're getting improvement as well. And you know what? Look. People are going to look at the Hawks and say, okay, well, you, you're crapping on about how good they look. They've lost six of their last seven games now. And that's true. But only one of them has been a, a really, really bad loss, I reckon. The others, you know, even the one against the Swans, they were well up in that one. They've lost to Melbourne by only 10 points. Uh, oh, the Essendon loss was a bad one. I'll give you that. They didn't lose to Richmond by a lot. They beat um, Brisbane. And uh, now they've lost to Collingwood by a kick. So I reckon they're going all right, Sam Mitchell's side. And as for Craig McRae's side, well, they're really impressive. Do you, I mean, it's, we both were bullish about Hawthorne, but I'm happy to say Collingwood has far exceeded what I thought they were capable of. Have they exceeded what you thought they were capable of doing? Yeah, I, I, I had them down, you know, 11, 12, 13, which is now occupied by the Gold Coast Suns, Port Adelaide, and the team you're talking about, Hawthorne. Uh, they're... They're a game inside the top eight. It's a superb, you know, it's a superb. And only four points behind their arch rival. They've played one more game than Carlton, so the Blues will get their chance to uh, go further ahead if they can get over Essendon next week. Uh, great spot to be in, seven yep. and five for the Pies. And you'd think all they need to do is probably go 50-50, win five of the last 10 games, and that just about gets you a finals berth. All right, what's on the agenda for these two next week? Well, they are both playing. Collingwood, mm -hmm. of course, I mentioned before, that big, big freeze game, Queen's birthday Monday against the Demons and a massive challenge for the Hawks who have an away game against Fremantle at Optus Stadium in Perth, that one on Saturday afternoon, 4.10pm Eastern Standard Time, and that'll be a great test for Sam Mitchell's young team. I know we team. do a preview, Rowan, but they're, they're half a chance, aren't they? Vibrancy, enthusiasm, pace. They've got good balance, belief, won some tight games. They're, they're not without a really good shot against Melbourne. 
Oh, the pies. No, absolutely. And we'll tell you why on Wednesday. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay, so five of six games. And the big one, the showpiece of round 12 was the last one on the card. Let's talk about it. Round 12 wrapped up with a corker of a game. was always going to be significant, but uh, really entertaining game. Not high scoring, particularly the first half, but nonetheless entertaining because it was good, hard, tough, finals quality football between second and third on the ladder. Talking about Fremantle's game at Optus Stadium against Brisbane. And it ended up in a 14-point win to the home side. Fremantle 15-9-99, defeating Brisbane 13-7-85. The goal kickers for the Dockers, four to Bailey Banfield. I wonder how often uh, he's going to end up the leading goal kicker for the Dockers. Played a great game. Three to Michael Frederick, following up a great game against Melbourne last week with another important role today. Three to Rory Lobb, a great target up forward. And two to key defender, turn forward, Griffin Logue. Four, the Lions. Four to Zach Bailey. Three to Charlie Cameron. Two to McStay. Singles the rest. Well, like I said, Rob, you know, pretty uh, doer sort of game. Four goals each at half time. Certainly opened up after half time, 11 goals to nine in the second half. But I thought even the first half, whilst it was low scoring, it was entertaining. And it was as much about uh, both sides defending pretty well and making it hard for the opposition to score. And look, Brisbane lost. Uh, The upshot of this, of course, now is that uh, these sides, nine and three each on the ladder. But uh, I don't think Brisbane lost a lot, even in defeat. And uh, they're still second on the ladder, of course, 5% ahead of the Dockers. What, what do you think the, yeah, uh, look, the tail of a tape of this game? Tail is? of the tape's a ripper, run because we saw two halves. We saw a final. This is why we we're uh, up and about with these two sides. A highly entertaining, pressurised, physical game where only eight goals are scored. Yes, folks, you can have them, and they are magnificent. So you just remind yourself of a final at the MCG, 4-4, who's going to break? And while Brisbane will be, okay, it's not the end of the world, they did break. And they broke on the back of stoppage domination where Neil, Lockie Neal has been great. Uh, Jared Lyons has been great. But I tell you what, the recruit of the year, Will Brody, took them to the cleaners. He, he ended up with 10 clearances. Uh, no Brisbane player had more than five. So it's a big it's a big statement to say he picked up Fremantle in that third quarter on his broad shoulders and he carried them, but I'm going to say it. Oh, look, it was an outstanding individual quarter. 6-2, they added in the third quarter. Uh, and there was a run. I think he won four of those centre bounce clearances in a row. And I think oh. pretty sure Banfield, well, Banfield did kick three of his four goals in that third quarter, but I'm pretty sure... He got two from, yeah. Or two or three from Brody's uh, clearances. Because they ran straight to him after the clearance. So this was significant. This broke the back. And and after that, it was uh, level pegging. What an amazing last quarter, Rowan. We've gone from eight goals in a half to 11 goals in a quarter. Uh, Brisbane kicking three out of the last four. But what I loved about this game is the medium-sized forward. Uh, 
isn't that cartel having a wonderful yeah. year of football? You mentioned right. Bailey, Cameron, uh, Banfield, and Frederick, seven and seven, 14 between them. Thanks very much. Loving this. And the uh, the only Melbourne, uh, the only member of the uh, two, 200 centimetre union, Rory Lobb, didn't do a bad job just quietly either. I love this game. While we're wrapping up, great players. Can't go past Andrew Brayshaw. 39 disposals for the Dockers. He is having some season. 32 of those 39 disposals coming after quarter time. Uh, Caleb Sarong, 31 for the Dockers. Uh, James H, 29, thought he was important as well. And this is a good example. Look, yeah. Brayshaw, Brayshaw and Sarong have been good for a couple of years, but you add Brody to the mix. Aish uh, improving his uh, standard a bit. You've got those smaller to medium-sized forwards now chipping in. And we're talking about, you know, Fife being cream on the cake. All of a sudden, we're looking at Fremantle and, and saying, there's a fair bit of depth there. It feels like only not long ago, I don't know when, but not long ago, it feels like <laughs> I, was, I was saying, look, Frio's still far too reliant on Monday, uh, Walters five, those three in particular. Well, Walters hasn't been much of a factor. Monday, well, I can't remember the last time we gave Monday a rap, but he, well, he's just hanging around with his nineteen possessions, Rowan. Exactly, and and five not even there. So, yeah. um, the the load has been spread really notably, and uh, Rory Lobb was a, a great target for them up forward as well, and probably. Probably in the end, the difference between those two sides, Brisbane really lacked that target, didn't they? With Hipwood reasonably quiet, uh, McStay reasonably quiet, and Danner, of course, still not back. So maybe that was a, a difference too. Frio winning the clearances pretty convincingly, 48 yep. to 35. Um, but I said this last week as well, the difference to me in how I now see Frio is I didn't think they had this higher gear. I didn't think they were capable of this sort of level of explosiveness that they have shown in both the third quarters last week and this week. And it makes them a really exciting and dangerous proposition. Yeah, and I just love their balance. They, they oh, that's right. I wanted to mention Aish. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, drafted by Brisbane Lions. Yep. Traded to Collingwood. Yep. In and out, a bits and pieces player picked up. Was he delisted? I don't know, Rowan. Uh, I'll ask the question without. Um, no, no, you won't. Was he delisted or traded? No, you won't the... ask me that because I don't have the answer off the top no, of No, no. Well, folks, while you're on your walk this morning, can you answer that one for us? Because um, he's now become a remarkably consistent player that has played off halfback, a little bit of wing, and he's also done a run with tagging job. So what a reliable resource they've got there. Absolutely. Uh, where, where do we think Brisbane are at? Have they got any cause for concern off the back of that or not? I don't think well, they not have. Not really, that they, um, they got beaten in an area of stoppages. I think they, uh, like 14 points away, uh, a big travel. And can I just say, um, while I'm on that theme, geez, there's going to be a lot of... Um, what do you mean? The race for a good spot in the eight is going to be critical. Like next week, Carlton will have six or seven of their first 18 players out. They just can't drop off the pace to Essendon. They have to win. If the Saints can win next week, they're into the top four with 36 points, Rowan. So if you can get a good spot, a good, what do they call it in the Melbourne Cup? A good gate. 
Well, it's going to make a lot of difference. It's certainly, um, you know, take Fremantle up to Brisbane this week. Oh, they're more than capable of winning the game, but gee, home ground advantage. The old home ground advantage. And uh, in answer to your question, Aish was traded by Collingwood. So right. uh, he's been traded twice, but uh, okay, fair to say. Look, I, I reckon he played some okay footy at Collingwood, but uh, you, you'd say he's probably playing the best footy of his career as we speak. Look, it was a great game. Um, it was a finals quality game. And as it should be, we're looking at teams two and three on the ladder. And I, I think uh, pretty hard to argue after this that they're not both genuine top four teams. They're going to be hard for someone else to dislodge from yep. those top four spots. And that's what we want. Let's well uh, talk about what they're doing oh, yeah. next week. Uh, Fremantle are up against Hawthorne on Saturday afternoon. That one at 4.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Brisbane have a Saturday night clash at home at the Gabba against St Kilda, 7.25 p.m. And that should be... A so where was that again, mate? Well. At, that, that is at the Gabba. Righto. Uh, Brisbane will start favourites. Oh, absolutely. They'll start favourites yeah. at the Gabba. Uh, Frio are playing Hawthorne at 4.10 right p.m. We so must be going live. Uh, well, that's general. person just texted me and said... James Ace was traded from Collingwood to Fremantle. Are we going live, Rowan? It's interesting. It's like that uh, Tony Martin podcast, Sizzle Town, which is also somehow live. I don't know what's going on. I think we should wrap this game up. What a game. What a game. I think we should wrap up this uh, episode. Really interesting round of footy, proving that it's not necessarily about quantity. It's about quality. The old six-game round uh, back in action, yeah. but some entertaining games among them. Thanks to your company. Uh, thank you again to our wonderful official partners, Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. You can support our podcast financially uh, at the ACAST supporter page on whichever platform you are listening to us. And you can also become an official Footyology patron at one of the many links on the Footyology website to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent writing, publishing and media, Patreon. And uh, check out footyology.com.au, not just football, not just sport. We've got stuff on politics, society, the arts, entertainment, you name it. Music. Yeah, plenty of music. You can chip in with a, a piece on the Angels or something anytime oh, you like, Robert. Stop it. Righto. I'll get you to write something on your top 10 Angels songs or something like that. Um, we'll leave that one for the off-season. It's okay. We're very busy men when the footy's on. Uh, thanks to your company, everyone. Uh, just a quick note, our round 13 preview uh, going to be a little bit later than usual this week, um, some business matters to which to attend. But never fear, we will be back in time to preview round 13. Look forward to your company then. <laughs> <laughs>